Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to Get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 187 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden episodes 126 through 129, where Jiraiya gets Tsunade drunk, Jiraiya looks for his destiny, and the hot new bar in town is inside of a toad's stomach. They've got everything, you guys. They've got <laughs> a wall that eats you slowly. They've got two ninjas. They've got an old guy behind the bar with a dumb mustache. And they also have a a back room where you can do anything, you guys. New York's hottest club. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. If you don't know mm. what that joke is, you should watch SNL and John Mulaney specifically. Um, because he wrote that. Well, he doesn't. No, he. Yeah, he doesn't do it, but he writes it. He wrote it. And the it's so fucking funny because apparently um, the. The person that he does it for, God, I can't remember the guy's the comedian's name. That he, yeah, the character is named Stefan, which yeah. I believe is S T E F A N. Yeah, yeah. But and it's like it's this stereotypically <laughs> super gay uh, dude who is giving tips on the hottest club, and it is like this like adjacent to stream of consciousness list of nonsense. But yeah, John Mulaney and Bill Hader will like write them together. And then between rehearsal and showtime, John Mulaney will change things <laughs> to try and throw Bill Hader off. And so, like, Bill Hader very famously covers his face to, to hide the fact that he's breaking in those bits because John Mulaney got him. <laughs> he gets him, so like, good. he gets him, like, multiple times every one. And sometimes... Every time! And sometimes Bill Hader, like, legitimately breaks in the middle of it. Like, it's... It's so funny. Yeah. Um... So, it's char- It's really charming. That's one of Pete's favorite. He like watches stuff in videos periodically just because it makes him happy. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't see much anime news coming out this week. Um, other than there's, no. there's a, there's a I, lot of anime conventions that are finally opening up this year. That's pr- kind of fun. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll find our way to one. Almost certainly we will find our way to one next year. Yeah. Uh, hopefully this year, maybe. Uh, I also, I'm working on some YouTube content for the Digimon card game. I, uh, I have some ideas, but I don't have editing software. Spencer has editing software, but he lives far away. We're figuring it out. That's coming in what I'm hoping is the very near future. So if you're interested in the Digimon card game, I am really excited about it. I think it's a really good game. Uh, there will be some stuff to check out on our YouTube in the future. And of course I will, uh, you know, keep you posted here yeah um so let's just go ahead and talk about these uh naruto episodes because they're ridiculous yeah these mostly good but still slow-paced naruto episodes yeah (laughs) so we've got uh we have naruto being a a story about a kid named naruto who lives in a magical ninja world uh, where the ninjas wear bright colors and fight using dope-ass anime powers. Naruto, once upon a time, was a bit of a fuck-up. Uh, he has sort of gotten it together as he's grown older, which is sort of the premise of Naruto Shippuden, is the the period of his early life in which he has grown older and gotten it together a bit. Um, Naruto was 
Uh, as a young ninja in training, placed on a team with this guy named Sasuke. Sasuke had a family tragedy that he was really, really focused on um, bringing revenge to the person that that wrought this tragedy. And that focus on revenge caused Sasuke to leave the village in which he and Naruto lived, sort of abandon the good guys and go live with the bad guys in exchange for maybe being able to get a little stronger, a little faster. Naruto did not care for that and tried to stop him from doing so, uh, was unsuccessful and now has sort of dedicated his life to getting Sasuke back. Sasuke, in the meantime, has uh, broken away from the bad boy that he went to go live with and is now forming his own band and they're going to go on tour around the world. Uh, that that group is called Hebi. There's a character in it named Karin that we'll talk about very, very briefly here at the top and a character named Jugo. Uh, there's one other character who basically isn't in these episodes at all, so we're going to skip him. Uh, but that's Sasuke's group. And uh, they are on a mission to sort of like lead Sasuke to the final confrontation that he feels like kind of his whole life has been leading up to. Um, Itachi is Sasuke's older brother and is the villain in Sasuke's story. Itachi is the guy who caused the tragedy, which was specifically killing their entire family. So Itachi killed everybody that Sasuke knew and loved and then left him in the village and was like, yo, get me back someday. And Sasuke took that to heart. And Itachi now works with a big bad organization called the Akatsuki. Uh, we have met several members of the Akatsuki before. They are all really, really powerful, really dangerous ninja. Generally, they come from all over the place, but have kind of abandoned their village alignments in order to align with this organization of the Akatsuki. And uh, they are currently looking for giant tailed beasts. So there are nine big fucking demons with different numbers of tails that are uh, scattered about the world. But uh, with almost no exceptions, those demons have been captured and sealed inside of different people, some unsuspecting and some volunteer. Naruto was one of those unsuspecting people who had a big fucking monster sealed inside of him and actually didn't know about it for a hot minute. Uh, he's figured it out now. Uh, and now he realizes that he has sort of been passively made into a target for this evil organization that is trying to find these monsters. And what they want to do is take them out of the people that they were stuffed inside of and instead stuff them inside of their big ornamental furniture, and uh, unfortunately, that process will kill the person that has the monster inside of them. So uh, everybody's trying to protect Naruto and stop them from doing this. And they are more or less on an inexorable path to gathering them up. And for some unspecified reason, the Nine Tails has to be the last one, which happens to be the one that Naruto has. So he's kind of safe for now, but also doesn't particularly want to run into any members of the Akatsuki. Um, Meanwhile, there is a sort of shadow leadership of the Akatsuki that we have been slowly getting a better look at over time. And um, it turns out that Jiraiya has been investigating who the leader is and how they can find them so that maybe they can, you know, yeah, cut off the head and, and cause the organization to die as a result. Um, Jiraiya is the uh, older mentor of Naruto. He showed up to become Naruto's sensei sometime into the original Naruto series after the uh, the kids had been on a team for a while and started to sort of like get to the point in the story where they needed to uh, learn new tricks from new people so that they could get stronger. Jiraiya came along and did that for Naruto. He has kind of become sort of a, a father figure for Naruto because Naruto is an orphan. 
And, um, but he's, you know, he's like an older ninja and he's like really, he's renowned. He's one of what's called the legendary Sanin, which is a group of three powerful ninja, including Jiraiya. Uh, it also includes Tsunade, who is currently the Hokage of Naruto's home village, which means she is essentially the ninja president of where he lives. And, uh, Jiraiya and Tsunade, uh, have been kind of working together with Tsunade in an administrative role and Jiraiya as the scout to try and figure out how to take apart the Akatsuki from the top. And uh, that, I think, is going to lead us right into the top of episode 126. Yeah, episode 126, just titled Twilight. Uh, this episode is... Yeah, but not not sparkly vampires. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you're looking for somebody who would be into the Twilight books and movies, probably Karine is going to be your best bet. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah, she, she's uh she's real sexually uncomfortable. Yeah, she's running around inside of this uh, town that they are currently in because Sasuke has been uh, hurt by old mouth hands, um, and he has to go recuperate. Um, and yeah, old mouth hands, and they are running around uh, trying to make sure that uh that he is being taken care of and in the middle of that Karen is just like oh shit i feel a presence coming towards us i think that it's a bunch of humans and also something that doesn't feel human so i think it might be but it feels yeah like a dog <laughs> yeah it feels like a dog is coming towards us and they they tell um, that to Satsuke who's just woken up uh you know plot relevantly timed um and uh yeah because Karin has a, a, an atypical sense, uh, she she has a a like supercharged, not really able to be replicated in another ninja. Because that's a that's a thing with ninja is like there are a lot of techniques that are ninjutsu that you can learn, and so if you know you see one person doing it, you might be able to learn how to do it. And then there are other techniques that are sort of intrinsic traits that are not necessarily transmissible. And Karin, it's not listed necessarily as a Keke Genkai, as far as I can tell, which is to say a, a trait that you have to inherit by your genealogy and that you can't learn. Uh, but it is noted that she has some special degree of sensing things that is just like deeply beyond what any other ninja with uh, heightened senses could do. Um, so that's kind of her, her big value to Sasuke. And then, yeah, Sasuke is like, well, I, you know, I re remember when I absorbed Orochimaru and he was like semi immortal. So now like I heal really quickly. So that's, that's the explanation. And we're just going to go with it. Yeah. Um, Karin also has an old sweaty shirt of Sasuke's that he got rid of, but she kept, um, because she's that kind of character and, she is going to tear it up and attach it to a bunch of birds that Jugo gets to come by. And those birds are going to fly all over the place because she realizes that the... This is something I didn't know, is that the various hidden villages have, like, animal specialties. So, like, your summoning may vary, but, like, the leaf village is known for working with ninja dogs. And that is apparently not, the, not true of other villages. Like, they're they each have sort of like, so she like realizes that the leaf ninja are coming with dogs and that because of that, they are using scent and that therefore they can use this little bird trick to disperse the scent and to throw off the ninja so that maybe heavy can escape. Little bird trick. Cool. It's a cool thing. 
Yeah, it's not. This works for me other than just Karin being a deeply frustrating character. But outside of that, (laughs) this works. Yeah. So they're going to they're going to leave, but uh, not before Naruto is going to break himself into a whole bunch of different pieces when they realize that they have split up. Um, And he's like, "Okay, I'm going to go with my shadow clones and try to locate them. And instead of locating them, he actually locates Itachi. Yeah, this is bad because Itachi is super strong and Naruto's gotten a lot stronger. But I don't think anybody, including Naruto, expects that Naruto can beat Itachi one on one. Like he he definitely tries a sneak attack at the beginning of this altercation and it doesn't work. And you can just tell that Naruto is like, well, I lose. (laughs) So uh, it's bad because Itachi's in the Akatsuki and we know that the Akatsuki wants to capture Naruto, not to explicitly kill him, but to passively kill him by achieving their real goal. And uh, so this is not good. Naruto's on his own. He is against Itachi and Itachi is just like, it's fine. I don't, I don't want to capture you. I just want to talk to you. And Naruto's like, I will run now. And Itachi's like, no, no, I've trapped you. You cannot get away until I'm done with you. And so we're going to talk. Yeah. Um, and basically what he's talking about is he's just like, he just, he just wants to know what's going on with his, his, uh, what's this going on with the little man? <laughs> yeah. My little brother never calls anymore. Probably because of that time I killed everybody in his family. And I just wanted to, you know, just make sure that he's doing okay. And also, I think it's weird how into him you are. And I wanted to investigate that a little bit. But mostly, I'm just checking in on him. Yeah, basically, that's all he's doing. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about all there is to it. It's it's weird if you only know about Itachi what you would know if you're following the series from the beginning and haven't seen it before. Right? Yeah, like I, I, I would agree with that. If I investigate this without future knowledge, this is a very tense and exciting scene that leaves you a bit puzzled about what Itachi is up to specifically. If you know what happens, you kind of get it. I mean, I guess that's how stories work, huh? But, you know, like, I, I, I think I was a little underwhelmed with this, but I think maybe that's my fault. And if I'm thinking back to when we first watched this, when, you know, you and I were having the Forever Summer uh this was this was a pretty good scene yeah yeah um meanwhile uh we are gonna cut over to a couple of other people doing other things uh it's (laughs) yeah we're gonna leave every other character and focus on just these from now on (laughs) yeah um uh jiraiya is just like hey come with me uh get drunk in the middle of the day because you're not the president Uh (laughs) yeah i'm gonna take the president out and get her shit-faced just in front of everybody that she's in charge of during the middle of her workday, and it's fine. And, like, (laughs) she literally ends up throwing up in an alleyway. Like, this is not... This is a public relations disaster, and they completely get away with it. Yeah, absolutely do. Um, the, The big thing that he wants to... I don't even know if he really wants to talk about anything else other than the fact that he's just like, um, this is what's going on. I'm going to have to do something that, that I think is important and you're going to have to be okay with that. Yeah. He does tell her specifically that he has found the character that seems to be in charge of the Akatsuki 
is a guy named Payne, and he has discovered where Payne's hideout is, and he wants to go to it. And specifically, it is in the village hidden in the rain. And they talk a little bit about this, and we're going to, the next two episodes are flashbacks that take place largely in the village hidden in the rain. But what you need to know is that the ninja world is broken into these large territories and these small territories. And so like Naruto's home village is the village hidden in the leaves, which is located within the land of fire. It's similar to a city inside of inside of a state uh, where, you know, I don't know, Spencer and I used to live in Chicago, which was located in Illinois and Illinois would be the land of fire. Chicago would be the village hidden in the leaves. Uh, Your ninjas generally come from these villages. They are called the Great Ninja Villages. There are also much smaller territories that are kind of like your Rhode Island (laughs) that uh, or maybe maybe even your Puerto Rico's that would have a lot less territory and would be almost functionally made up of just the village and some surrounding landscape uh, rather than a sort of like an expanse. Uh, That doesn't prevent them from having a great ninja village to their own, but the Hidden Rain Village has the uh, unfortunate distinction of being placed at the sort of dead center between four other villages that went to war with each other during what was called the Second Great Ninja War. And the Hidden Rain Village is part of a very, very small land and it became essentially the de facto staging area for a war between these much larger, much greater powers. Um, it it's like uh, it's like um, you know it. It makes me kind of think of the whole Russia Ukraine thing right now. Honestly, um, it's like a big superpower trying to start shit in another country and have the shit go down in that country. Uh, except I'm not sure that they intentionally did this and it just kind of happened that they, they ended up fighting there. So the village hidden in the rain has really taken a beating and has been a sort of like place wrecked by war and refugees and just this sort of like general, general destruction and kind of like consequential like poverty that comes from trying to rebuild after a disaster of a multinational scale that is wrought upon you and then all of the people who caused the disaster just kind of go home and leave you there to pick up the pieces that's the village hidden in the rain and as as such the village hidden in the rain has become a super spooky insular place where outside of the war nobody really knows what's going on there and outsiders are not particularly welcome and it is generally considered not a safe place to go if you don't live there already And so sending Jiraiya to the village hidden in the rain is probably super dangerous and is potentially a death mission, even if he wasn't going to fight the leader of the Akatsuki. And the Akatsuki are all super powerful, dangerous motherfuckers, and their leader is almost certainly the strongest one. So this would be a terrible suicide mission if he were going to do only one of these things, but he's doing both at once. And Tsunade is not keen on that. Yeah, she's um, she's not super she's not super excited about this. But the trick no. uh, that Jiraiya has up his sleeve uh is that he's just like drink more sake and she's just like, Yeah. <laughs> um and I, I love it. I love, I love alcohol. Yeah, I, I love before this starts happening, she's like, I would never do that in the middle of the day. And he's just like, Are you sure? 
Next shot is just her <laughs> just drunk. <laughs> her peer pressure skills are zero. She does not have any resistance. <laughs> she doesn't even like, I mean, I don't know. They're comrades. I think they, I think they dislike each other as a show of like their longstanding frustrations from being close and working together through a long, long time. But uh, she doesn't act like she likes him at all. And he's the only one that's like, you should come get shit faced with me. And her advisor who works with her every day is like, I don't know. I think you have a lot to do. Cut to her drunk at a table and like just (laughs) she's in charge. She's the president. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Jariah is like, look, I got to go to the Hidden Rain Village. I have to sort this out. I'm going to try and find pain. And if I have the opportunity I'm going to kill him. Uh, they also reminisce. Oh, I almost forgot this. They reminisce and they they talk about Naruto's parents, uh, which is specifically Minato Namikaze, who is the uh, fourth Hokage that we have seen several times. The blonde guy that has super fast teleportation powers, uh, who I believe we have indicated strongly on our podcast, if not outright said, is Naruto's dad. Um the show also, in my memory, and maybe I'm incorrect about this, but I believe that Jiraiya calling Minato Naruto's father here is the first time it has been canonically confirmed. Again, I might be wrong. It has been heavily implied to the point where Jiraiya is saying something that we kind of already know. But I believe that this conversation is the first time that it is explicitly stated that Minato is Naruto's father. Yeah. Also, I think this is the first appearance of his mother who is seen on screen in a flashback. That her name is Kushina Uzumaki. So that basically takes us into the next episode. Um Well, there's there's this one thing at the end <laughs> that just kills me. Okay. Jiraiya Tsunade is like, you can't, I I don't want you to go on, to go on this mission. And Jiraiya is like, look, I'm the one, I, I'm the person that has to go based on who you have available and who is strong enough to maybe get out of this alive. I've got to go. And so if you don't want me to go uh, because you're afraid that I'm not going to come back alive, then here's what you should do. Let's make a bet. You bet everything you have that I will not come back alive because you are a terrible gambler. And you always lose. And Tsunade stares at him. She is speechless because she, I think, the way I'm interpreting this is that she is in no mood for this gallows humor because the situation is really, really dire. And Jiraiya has this sort of like, let's make a joke about it. Let's act like it's not a big deal. Uh, You know, sort of disarming quality. Uh, That is his approach to like have this conversation with her and act like it's not a big deal, even though they both know it's a big deal. And she is just thrown by this suggestion and just stares at him. And then he laughs and is like, I'm just fucking kidding with you. And then he leaves. And it's really, really good. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, episode 127. (laughs) Okay. So this next episode, uh, let's let's just talk about the name really quick because this is uh, this is uh-huh. ridiculous. Um, it's called Tales of a Gutsy Ninja: Jiraiya Ninja Scroll Part One. Um, and if you're wondering, like, man, am I going to get to see uh, Jiraiya be almost exactly Naruto? <laughs> uh huh. Yes. Yes, you are. Like they they. I'm pretty sure like copied and pasted 
Jiraiya over Naruto in a couple of those early scenes just to like, I I think they did it on purpose to slam home the point that like, this is, they are the same person as a kid. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They're, Um, they're, they're the same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And their, their team is made up of the same, the same makeup. So you've got, uh, you have Jiraiya who is the loudmouth kid who is no good at this and who everybody else is like, is he really going to be a ninja? Like, are we sure about this? Uh, same thing for young Naruto. Then you have the uh, dark silent one who maybe has a bit of danger about him. That is Sasuke. And in Jiraiya's past, that is the villain Orochimaru who Sasuke recently killed after having taken him from the village at the end of the original Naruto uh, and then you have Tsunade as the third one, who is the girl with a temper, which is what Sakura was when they were kids. And it's like, on the one hand, every once in a while, I'm like, the parallels between these three characters to Naruto, Sasuke, and Sakura are so direct that they feel on the nose in a way that's a little meh, but also... I like that the story takes these legendary three characters and somewhat organically pushes Naruto and his team into each one's camp. So they become sort of like the, the next generation updated version of these legendary characters. And so like, it ends up working for me more than it doesn't, but every once in a while you're like, God, this is such a one-to-one comparison. Yeah. It's very, very close. Uh huh. Mm. Here's a big difference, though. Uh, Naruto is a fuck up, not for lack of trying. He's a fuck up basically because he he has never had to focus before. Is if I can editorialize a little bit, I think that's probably it. Uh, and he's spent all of his energy on trying to get attention rather than trying to, you know, be a the type of person who can like focus on chakra and do ninja shit. Uh, Jiraiya, it's a little unclear why he is unfocused, but their sensei, which happens to be Sarutobi, a.k.a. the third Hokage, is like, uh, this guy does not have, like, he whatever it is that the other characters have, whatever drives them to, like, focus on ninjutsu and learn to be a ninja, like, Jiraiya is just missing it. And so I've got to find a way to motivate him. And what he does is he summons his big monkey friend, And he's like, look how cool it is that I can pull a monkey out of thin air. And Jiraiya's like, that is cool. And then he, he, uh, like, Sarutobi teaches him that this is a teleportation jutsu. So summoning is a teleportation jutsu that causes you to make a blood pact with a ninja animal that lives independently somewhere in the world. And you make a blood pact with them so that you can teleport them to you at a moment's notice so that they can fight alongside of you. And Jiraiya thinks this is dope. And Jiraiya is correct. This is cool. And uh, Jiraiya wants to learn how to summon the monkey. And Saratobi's like, no, no, no. The monkey is my friend. You have to make your own friend. And anyway, you can't do the teleportation jutsu with the summon before you learn the basics of the teleportation jutsu itself. And then Jiraiya does, but he does it wrong or too early and ends up teleporting himself away and finds himself on Mount Miyoboku, which is where all the great ninja toads live. Yeah. So, uh all the ninja toads um they they're going to become best friends with Jiraiya. Um their their names are in I don't know if they're super important 
Um, man, I don't remember. No, them I didn't even write them down. <laughs> I, I guess I. Yeah, no. There's a couple of toads. I mean, Gamabunta is there. Yeah, uh, and we've met him before. Uh, there are some other toads that uh, we'll have their names next time we cover Naruto, but it's not really important this time. Yeah, so they're gonna train him and train him and train him, and that takes us into episode one twenty eight. Tales of a Gutsy Ninja, Jiraiya Ninja Scroll Part 2. Um, this one is uh, going to give us um, a time skip. Um, so think about it as yeah. uh, Tales of a Gutsy Ninja Shippuden. Um, so, uh, it is! Oh my god, it so is! It absolutely is. Uh, so Jiraiya it's Tsunade also... and Orochimaru um, are still working together, but they're in the middle of uh, the Second Great Ninja War, which is not a good time. Yeah, you find out that Jiraiya, in the first episode, uh, Jiraiya is said to split his time between training in the Leaf Village and training with the Toads. And this is sort of like his, this is his Sasuke moment, almost. Like for Naruto, Sasuke, as his rival, became a motivating factor because Naruto wanted to compete with him. And then when Sasuke left the village, Naruto wanted to get him back. And Sasuke is very strong and he picks things up really easily. And so Naruto has to get stronger and he has to focus. And for Jiraiya, it was discovering that he's got his own secret village with cool-ass techniques that he can learn and then show up at home and be like, look at how badass I am. And so he does, he splits his time with the Toads. But also there's this elder in the Toad village that is like, I had a vision and it is of your future. And then he tells Jiraiya... That Jiraiya will be the sensei to a ninja that will change the world of ninja forever. And Jiraiya has it, I think, before the Great Ninja War, but we're really going to see this come into play here. Jiraiya does not like the fact that the world of ninja is essentially constantly at or at risk of going to war. And he wants to live in a peaceful world. And that is his ethos. And so this the toad is like, you are going to be an author, first of all. And second of all, you're going to have a student that will change the world for the better. And so Jiraiya is like, my destiny is to find a pupil who will convince the world not to be so violent. And he just like goes on this like quest where he's like going around and he's like, like at one point he sees this guy that's talking about nonviolence and he's like, ah, tell me more of your philosophy, young man. Maybe you're the one I'm seeking. Like he's that fucking guy just going around every person. He's like, maybe this is the one. And he's just like obsessed with it. And so this is kind of his backdrop that he's like, he has become a man consumed by finding the answer to the riddle of his destiny that was posed by the great elder toad. And that is kind of like his recent past as we pick up with him, Tsunade, and Orochimaru in the middle of the war. Yeah, yeah. And the the big thing that is going to be happening to him during the middle of the war is that they are going to be... The world is just... It's really gotten kind of fucked up from this war. Um, yeah, it's not good. And it, it's left it's left people uh, alone and untaken care of. And in this world, Jiraiya is going to find three young children that are going to become very important. Yeah, they're, they are in the, the village hidden in the rain, and it is in the middle of the war. As I was discussing earlier, the history that sort of ravaged the rain village and made it a bad place to be, this is that time. 
And so they are there and they find these three children that are orphaned by the war. Um, so there's this kid named Yahiko who looks an awful fucking lot like pain, but as a kid, and there's a, a girl named Conan who looks an awful lot like the girl, the woman that's always with pain in the future. And then there is a third kid. And this is like a scrawny, long haired kid named Nagato. And Nagato does not look like either of the Akatsuki members that we've seen. He does not look like a character that we know at all. But shortly into this sequence, we're going to find out that Nagato has what's called the Rinnegan Eye. There is an eye. uh, As you know, Naruto has a thing about eyes. And there's the Byakugan, where your eyes go white. You can see chakra. There's the Sharingan, where your your, um, uh, pupils and irises change to a, a sort of like red and black pattern that lets you do all kinds of shit. And then there's this, which is a sort of mauve violet uh colored eye with a lot of concentric circles and this i believe is the first time we hear it called the renegon and it is a an ocular technique of legend as jiraiya notes they there is the legend of the sage of six paths who is in myth said to have created all ninjutsu like ninjutsu wasn't a thing and then this guy came along and then it was a thing and like the renegon is a one of the big reasons why he is attributed with being able to introduce ninjutsu into the world its ability is still pretty nebulous at this point but it is huge and what's especially important is that nagato has the renegon jiraiya notes that he thought that the renegon was a myth Uh, And then it was not a real thing. And then here's this fucking kid with it. And also, again, Nagato doesn't look like Pain. He doesn't look like Conan. Pain looks like Yahiko. And Conan looks like Conan. And Pain has the Renegon. And that's weird. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you are, Blake. Um... (laughs) Uh, I'm just saying this is stuff that if you're not watching along, you would never know. So if we don't say it, you'll miss it, even though it's obvious if you're watching. So, yeah, what what we've got here is the discovery of these kids that seem like uh, in our current knowledge of the series are going to grow up to be some of the villains we're fighting. But here they are as kids and uh, they are starving orphans. Yeah, they're not having a great time of things. <laughs> no, the, the thing about war is that it's not great. Yeah. Th- Honestly, it's pretty thing, much always a bad idea. The thing about war is... <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. I don't know if you knew that. I, I figured that out through my great wisdom, is that war is thumbs down. hmm Yeah. 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 You're like, do you want to go to war? And I'm like, thumbs down emoji, and then we just move on, you know? What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, can I just comment that one of our, I think it was Booty Stank, but I don't remember 100%, one of our people in the Discord said that I was extra gay on the most recent episode, and I am so honored, and I would like to know everything. (laughs) Yeah. You were like, you were like, yeah, I am so gay. Uh, So gay. That's how gay people talk. (laughs) So, um, so these three kids show up, and, uh, 
they are hungry and they want some food. And Yako's like, fucking feed us. And uh, everybody's a little cagey, but Jirai's like, yeah, I mean, they're kids. We should feed them. And Orochimaru's like, yeah, but, you know, like sometimes suicide bombers uh, utilize kids as suicide bombers. And like, you know, war is fucked up and you can't really trust anybody. And Jirai's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and trust them. So they feed the kids and then the kids start following them around. And they are like, look, we fed you. We can't we're we're in the middle of a war and we are warriors. And like you following us, is just not going to work out. And Orochimaru is just like, why don't I go ahead and kill them? Huh? (laughs) Jiraiya and Tsunade are like, what the hell? And Orochimaru has a it's fucked up. I'm not at all saying I agree with this, but there is a weird twisted logic to it, which is that Orochimaru says they live in a war-torn country. They were orphaned because of that war. They are young children who cannot fend for themselves and had to find enemy combatants to feed them. They are probably going to die. Their parents are already dead. Their lives already suck. And it might be for the best that we just end it here. And I'm kind of like, you shouldn't, but I I am following the thought process here, Orochimaru. Like, I don't agree, but I see where you're coming from. And Blake. Jiraiya's like, Blake, nah. who is, uh, who's like, you know, maybe we should murder children. <laughs> yeah, I am almost 60% convinced that children should not be murdered. <laughs> almost 60%? <laughs> All right, that is out of context. This cannot haunt me for the rest of my days. <laughs> Almost 60. <laughs> I, it's over 50. This <laughs> is better than a coin flip. So <laughs> Better than a coin flip. So, okay. So, so Jiraiya is just going to be like, you know what I should do after all this is that I should write a book. And uh, in that book, it's- well, he trains he trains the kids for three years and lets his friends go off to continue fighting the war first. Yeah, that also happens, I guess. Yeah, and then the kids are like, "Look, we learned a new technique, and we killed your double." And Jiraiya's like, "Cool, bye." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, "I'm not interested in you, children." Um, uh, yeah. There's also we see Minato, who I know is a a hero of the great, of the second great ninja war. Right. I believe, I believe he sort of makes his name for himself in the second great ninja war, uh, which also interestingly enough is where Jiraiya, Tsunade and Orochimaru are christened the legendary Sanin, which I always thought was because they were atypically powerful in the war and which is kind of true, but it's also because they're like one of the enemy combatants like fights them to a standstill. And it's like, you are strong, so I respect you and will not continue trying to kill you. And also, I'm going to give you guys a nickname. And then it sticks. <laughs> yeah. So that's how they get that. And then Minato, I think, is a, a hero of the Great Ninja War because we see a shot that I believe is a shot taken directly from the Kakashi flashback episode that we saw a little while ago. So I think all of that is happening at the same time the Great Ninja War is wrapping up, which does seem to go on for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the when I was writing the notes, the Wikipedia article says that Jiraiya later trains Minato, uh, indicating that it happened after uh, he trained Yahiko and Nagato and Karin. Uh, not, that's not uh, Conan, not Karin, Conan. Um 
And uh, I, I think that was an error on the Wikipedia article's part. My understanding is that Jiraiya trained Minato at some point between episode 127 and episode 128. Yeah. Uh, so, But if you know the answer, feel free to reach out and let us know. Yeah. The This episode ends with a, uh, a quick connection where they um, uh, Minato is reading through this book. Um, and he's just like, it's a fantastic book. Um, I love it. I love that the main character's name is Naruto and I want to name my child Naruto too. And he's just like, I just came up with that name on a whim inside of a ramen shop. And they're just like, but we love it. So we're going to use it. And Jiraiya did that kind of thing that an author sometimes will do when they meet with fans where they're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. But at the same time, they must be thinking in their head. They're just like, is this person really doing this? Cause they're a big fan of my book, but whatever. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, because Jiraiya is a sort of mentor of Minato because he was the sensei, similar to how Naruto interacts with Kakashi. Yes. So you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Naruto is a word for a, a thing that appears in ramen. Like it is it is a the name of a food item. And Jiraiya just like was eating ramen while thinking about his book. And he looked down and saw the Naruto and he was like, oh, I'll I'll use that. That'll be the name of my guy. But the book otherwise is a a fictionalized autobiography, essentially. And the impression that I get is the character of Naruto being something of a stand in for the real life Jiraiya and his experiences during the Great Ninja War. But with the sort of like overarching philosophical plot of Naruto trying to find a way to end strife like Jiraiya who very sincerely believes in that philosophy, but has been bending his energy to finding a pupil that will do this, makes his character the stand-in sort of for that pupil. And that is the aspects that inspires Minato the most. Like, it's a cool action novel that is semi-autobiographical for his teacher, but it also has this, like, philosophical bent that really sticks with Minato. And that seems to be what makes him want to name his kid after it. And that is how Naruto comes to be named Naruto. And it's a real cute little little bookend there on that flashback. And then we go back into the present yep. at 129. Episode 129, Infiltrate the Village Hidden in the Rain. Um, this episode uh, sounds like it's going to be super important, but ends up really just being a a almost filler full episode. So really quick, what happens in this episode is that Jiraiya ends up in the village hidden in the rain by uh, infiltrating it, by coming in inside of a frog but and using, then teleports out of yeah. there by like slowly coming His- out of its mouth. His frog teleportation techniques are top tier interesting. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely using cheat codes. Yeah. So here's what's happening inside of the town. Uh, these people are beaten down and they do not seem to want to talk about anything. Whenever Jiraiya brings up, uh, that he's looking for somebody, everybody's just like, Oh shit, we don't talk about the mob boss. Um, (laughs) yeah, uh, we basically, they don't want to talk about it too much. It is really that sort of like oppressive, tyrannical regime thing where it's like everybody is more or less happy because their lives are more or less guaranteed to keep going in a generally okay direction. And also this village was war torn and they are doing a little bit better than when they were war torn. Uh, But you know, 
it's still a tyrannical regime, so they don't really want to talk about it. Yeah. It's a bit of a can. So, so there was like a, a basically a warlord that owned this this town and it was uh that yeah warlord, he's hanzo yeah that warlord he, was he gave out. them their nickname yeah yeah the warlord he was pushed out and also killed yeah. and also like everyone he knew was killed yeah so <laughs> he was pushed out and killed by this guy named pain pain now owns this town and the this episode is and is, runs the akatsuki you don't you don't you don't talk about the akatsuki um and uh yeah, but we know that. That's why Jirai is here. Yeah, and then this episode is going to wrap up where a um, Jiraiya has uh, tricked these two lackeys into his uh, giant bar that is in the shape of a toad because they're actually uh, it's actually a transmogrified toad that is in the shape of a bar, and he has them under his thumb inside of a frog stomach interrogating them, and that's where we leave this episode. Um, yeah, this episode, it, it, it has, uh, a lot more filler inside of it, but, uh, not super important. So anyways, no, but I do love the toad bar. It's real good. All of Jiraiya's toad shit is really good. And we will pick up with him again when we return to Naruto Shippuden for some very exciting further investigation. Yeah. So stick with us after these credits and we'll talk about what's coming on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on Comic Book Keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 84 through 87. Yeah, uh, there's definitely going to be somebody who's going to try to eat somebody, um, inviting them to be their guests, be their guests. Let me eat you like the rest. Be our guest. Be our guest. Caviar Versace. (laughs)